Rocket Recovery is a podcast and community for those who suffer from addictive, selfish sexual behavior. If you can remember anything from our time together, think on this. You are not alone. There are many of us who have suffered and have found a solution that works. We now live happy, joyous, and free lives. We know that this may feel completely unattainable for you right now, but be assured, peace and serenity can be found in this life for you too. Rocket Recovery seeks to demystify recovery. There are simple steps to take, but a hard path to follow. We'll support you with principles, maxims, mantras to sustain you on your journey. We'll introduce you to those who will guide you. And remember, you are not alone. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Rocket Recovery Podcast. On this episode, episode number 10, we'll be joined by Kevin, a recovering addict. Kevin will be sharing his story of redemption and recovery from his sex addiction. Enjoy. Warning, because of the sensitive nature of the topics covered on this podcast, we ask you to please listen responsibly. Welcome everybody to the Rocket Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, and I am very thrilled to be having a guest host with us today for the podcast. My friend Kevin will be joining us and uh, giving us his story today. Kevin, how's it going? Hey guys, how you doing today? First podcast I've ever done, so really, um, pretty excited. Zach. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, uh, I know Zach. I've known Zach for about four years, and uh, for you who do not, uh, what Zach is doing with this podcast um, is just amazing. I think, um, I think the world of Zach. Um, I don't know if Zach ever gets to talk about himself, but um, you know, to go out of his way and and to set this stuff up. Um, is is pretty incredible, you know, and to actually want to do this act, you know, and and to invite people into your home and talk about raw things like this, you, you know, you're not a therapist, you know, and to want to actually go and beyond to help people, you know, and, and the thing about Zach, too, when I first met Zach, Zach was actually the first person I ever contacted when it comes to um, recovery. And so he was my first point of contact. And, um, I definitely believe it in just seeing what Zach has done with other people, the amount of time that he has spent helping people work through the steps, you know, and there were people who really did want to work through the steps. And then there were other people who you never really saw them again. But I mean, how many, how many people do you think you've worked with? Me personally? Oh, no. At least 50, though. Well, I mean, I've been a part of the group where probably 100 people have come through, but personally sponsoring probably a a little bit over a dozen people. And I'll tell you what, it it seems like you've done much more than that. I mean, every time we ever talked, there was like a new person that you were helping with. You know, and that's the type of, you know, I I think we've all come to a piece of ourselves that we just never knew existed and and it's just awesome to to be here today and and to share my share my story that uh mm. I'm definitely not proud of you know it it yeah. it is my life and and I'm not I'm not proud of it whatsoever 
Um, but I am proud of the steps I've taken afterwards, yeah. you know, to get me, to get me recovered, to be in recovery, to see a side of myself that I never even knew existed. Mm. And, and to, to just witness a better life for myself. And that's just something that, um, when I, when you hit rock bottom that you just literally cannot see, you yeah. know? And, um, anyway, I, I'm, I'm thankful for being here. Kevin, thank you so much for, uh, your kind words. That's not uh, kind. It's true. You well, know? the kind, true words and, go. and, um, I mean, I, I consider what I'm doing as uh, investing in my own recovery just as much as investing in other people's recovery. I feel, um, feel very much what it says on page 89 of the big book. Uh, it's right at the beginning of working with others chapter. This is part of step 12. Um, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of working these steps, you know, I seek to practice these principles in all my affairs, take what I've learned and giving it away to other people. It says the first, uh, first sentence here, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking or acting out as intensive work with other addicts. And I've taken that seriously and, um, it's paid dividends in my own life. Um, and I'm, I'm very grateful for the work that I've been able to do and uh, the impact that I've been able to make in other people's lives. And, you know, hopefully this podcast will extend that work out mm-hmm. some uh, and impact many, many other people as well. I mean, this is a message that needs to be needs to be heard. And too few people are sounding the alarm and uh, how dangerous um, the 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 sexual uh, side of society has become and how insidious and all pervasive it's becoming Mm -hmm. and how it's becoming normalized sexual sin very early and it's It's so early everywhere and and I mean there's there's kids that are getting exposed to this before 10 years old that are developing you know serious Mm -hmm problems with their sexuality before they even they've even hit puberty yeah my, my daughter's eight and she um you know th- you go on you know any we have a amazon fire stick and yeah. it's like instantaneous like even though it has parental controls and stuff it's still showing things and i'm like you should not ever see until you're at least 13, 14 years old, yeah. you know, and that's the stuff that she's wondering about. Those are the things that she's asking other kids in school, you know, kids in her school watching stranger things at yeah. eight. Yeah. Like you're, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So access to, uh, to this stuff is just, is it's so easy to get hooked into right. a lifestyle of, of just, selfish sexual behavior way too early, way before you're even aware of what's really going on. And, you know, if there's anything that, uh, that can be done, it ought to be done to protect our, our children. And I mean, obviously, uh, protecting those that are older that can make these decisions, but because of their addiction, they're unable to, self-regulate mm-hmm. and so hopefully this could be uh this this would be helpful for them so kevin um 
I'm going to kind of turn things over to you to begin and tell your story. I'll, I'll ask any questions if they come up and everything, but I just invite you to, uh, be open and, and vulnerable with us, um, to the extent that you feel is uh, appropriate for you and sharing your story, but there are no filters on this podcast. Um, people when they know when when they hear that there's a it's a story episode they know that you know there may be some triggering things here there may be something that aligns very very closely with other people's experiences and that's the entire point right and so we don't want to hold anything back lest we leave lest in the thing that we leave out is the very thing that connects you with another struggling addict out there that makes the difference for them right. to start seeking help so with that in mind, take it away. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Zach. Um, you know, and the comment about you talking about, um, you know, younger kids becoming more sexualized. I, I really and truly believe I, I was like the first generation when it came to the internet, you know, yep. AOL 1.0, you know, like <laughs> yeah. very, very early on. You've um, got mail. I've got mail. <laughs> but one of the biggest reasons I wanted a computer, honestly, was to, to look up porn. I, and, and yep. I was instantaneously trading picks as soon as I got AOL. Like yeah. I knew about that based on my friends in school you know, um, always talking about it, but Wait, you mean, I don't have to go to the corner drugstore and be all embarrassed and have to pay for this stuff. I can just I, download it for free, man. I, um, my friend, so I, the first time I ever watched a porn hmm. was, uh, my friend stole one from, um, like a, a bookstore or something, but it was a videotape right? and we all passed it around. It was my turn and I took it home and I put it in the camcorder and I would watched it through the little camcorder screen. <laughs> it was like in black and white, you know, it's like a soft porn, but man, I'll tell you what, when I was 13 years old, like that just lit a fire under me. Mm. And you know, my, my family definitely is addicts. I, ha I have a great family. I, yeah. I grew up, I, I grew up great. I mean, Super, super smart parents, very hardworking. Um, my dad definitely is an alcoholic. My mom's definitely an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, had a lot of problems. Uh, my mom had a lot of problems of health when I was a child um, and was in and out of hospitals. Um, had uh, Gillian Barre and basically couldn't walk um, for like a year. And so this wow. is when I was like in sixth grade. And so when, when this happened... Um, was right when, you know, I was going through puberty and that really and truly, like my dad's a lawyer uh -huh. and my mom came really, really sick and she was really the one who was, you know, the household, held the household together. And so then it was my dad's job for a couple of years. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't, I think it was just, just with my parents' generation, it just weren't empathetic to one another. And, and my dad was just getting frustrated that my mom wasn't getting better real fast and, you know, couldn't go back to her daily jobs. And, um, well, anyway, we became as kids, my, my sisters and I became, um, very independent quickly. Yeah. You know, I, um, learned how to cook myself, do my clothes, you know, do everything that not a normal 12 year old would do, yeah. um, pretty quickly. And, um, one of the things that ended up happening, I was, I was a real nerd. 
Um, but I was also really into sports too. So sure. like I was on both spectrums when it came to, to school. Yeah. But most of my friends were, were dorks <laughs> and all the lunch tables, all we talked about was sex all the time, even though we never had it before, you know what I mean? But we were always talking about that. And so, you know, when I first got the internet, that was, I, I actually remember going down to the bookstore and buying the, uh, the yellow pages. They didn't have Google yet. They didn't have any search engines yet. It was right. like infancy of websites. And, but they had like a yellow pages of websites. And I went straight to like the pornography part <sighs> and looked up like all the porn so by the time I was like in eighth grade, pornography was pretty pretty high on my list of of activities to do. Yeah. You know, and I and I was just so wanting a girlfriend and so wanting to like experience that. And you know, my uh, I've told this to my you know many people before, but I never really had anybody to really emulate a good relationship. Like yeah. my family. There's nobody in my family who I would say is in love with one another. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there are some families, husbands and wives who are just, they show love all the time. That just didn't occur Yeah. in anyone. So I really didn't have anyone to really emulate what a good relationship was, mm. you know? And so to me, what they were doing in porn was what I thought, what a relationship when you're having sex, it's the way it's supposed to be. Right. Right. And so when I was 17, I was going to be a senior in high school. First of all, no girls even talked to me until I was 17. And then all of a sudden, it was like a light switch went off. I don't know what happened, <laughs> but I, I got a girlfriend, and she was a nymphomaniac. Like, mm. instantaneously just wanted to have sex all the time. And she was sexually active, like, at 14. Wow. So, you know, she uh, – I had no idea what I was doing, but – um, you know, porn just wasn't as strong anymore <laughs> once you start getting it, especially at 17 years old. Like, sure. It was insanity. You know what I mean? Like we didn't have a condom once and she's like, oh, you can fuck me in the ass. And I'm like, this is like two weeks after meeting her. <laughs> oh and I'm gosh. like, just turned 17 years old. I had no idea what I was doing. You know what I mean? Right. But there was a part of me. Now I should back up. I don't know if if sex addiction is genetic or not. But I, I, I do believe that my dad is a sex addict as well. He, he might never, ever tell anybody. But I know because he's told our family that he has had an affair on my mom before I was born. I can just tell by the way that he looks at women. You know, it's like very – there's a lot of mannerisms that him and I are very close. Yeah. And um, so I don't know if it's related. He says his brothers have had affairs and stuff as well. There's not been one girlfriend, serious girlfriend, that I've not cheated on yeah. in my whole life. Mm. Even that girl, when I, you know, I'm, I finally get a girlfriend. I'm 17 years old. She's giving me pussy like crazy. You know, I we went away on vacation, and my and I met this other girl, and hooked up with her. Yeah, like this was like three weeks after I met this 17 year old girl. Yeah, same thing. About two months later. We, I was at a, like a school conference, met another girl. Like it's like everybody started being into me, yeah. and I honestly could not say no. Yeah. You know, like it, it almost came to the point where those people didn't even exist in my life. the The flesh barrier just never has been an issue for me. Yeah, 
you know, and especially if I feel like I can get away with it, um, that has been the biggest challenge for me because my addiction, and I say say it as a person, but I, I do feel like a different person when I'm when I am seriously in my addiction. Yeah. Your addict self, addict you can self. feel is like a distinctly yes. different than who you are, yes. just no, acting normally, Absolutely. running your business, yep. interacting with, you know, family and friends, that sort of thing. Yes. And, yeah. and when, when I have the opportunity, if, if a woman is like coming on to me and I have an opportunity, the rest of my, my wife, my child, my family does not come into my head whatsoever, Yeah, you know, and it does now because I'm in recovery mm. and I've been, you know, taught and trained to recognize that. And maybe it always has, but I just never recognized it. Sure. Nor did I care. Yeah. And if you did recognize <laughs> it, it got in the way of you doing what you wanted to do anyway. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to do what I wanted to do. And yeah. I felt like. It's like, get out of here, Jiminy Cricket. You flick him off his, sh- off his it, shoulder. Exactly. Kind of yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I felt like everybody else was doing like all my. I shouldn't say all my friends in high school, but when I got to college, it was about like how many girls you can, you can fuck. Yeah. True. Yeah. My wife does not believe that story is true, but I'm telling you for everybody who doesn't believe it, it is true. Like men at 18 to 23 years old, that's all we talked about were chicks. Yeah. You know, and I never really hung around the, the, the jocks who talked about sports all the time. It was always like computer geeky guys. You know, and that's what we were into, you know, and I, um, I still was every girlfriend I ever had. So I had a girlfriend after that Mm. and, um, you know, um, we dated for like two years, but I mean, it was awful what I would do. You know, I would, I would just cheat on her like crazy and, um. And have no remorse for it. I mean, if it was Valentine's Day, I, I would break up with her or start a fight so I could go out with someone else and make up with her right after. Like, to me, it became like, it almost became a game. Like, how, how Seriously. many people? It became a game. It sounds like that. Yeah. But the thing is, I was also, like, looking at porn all the time. Yeah. And so a lot of this became, like, fantasy-driven, mm. you know, and... Very normalized, though. Like, I never really felt like I was doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And even when I got caught with with other girls, I would I was always able to lie myself out of it. Yeah. I don't know how, mm-hmm. but things would just pop in my head. That made sense. Yeah. You know, and but I didn't really care at the same time. I, and it didn't really bother me. Yeah. You know, and I, I, um, I was going to school up in Boston. And I, um, you know, I, I, I hated it up there. I grew up in Rhode Island and, uh, I just hated being up there. And so my sister was down here. She went to Converse and she's like, you got to look at Clemson. So I came during spring break and it was like 20 degrees up in Boston. I came down here and I went and I checked out Clemson. It was like 80 degrees. And the number one yeah. thing, no joke, was I saw all these girls on the lawn, just hanging out like in bikinis and it was March and I was like, I'm going to this school. And that was specifically the reason why I went to Clemson was because of the women. Yeah. So, you know, when I was asked if I'm a sex addict in step number three, you know, it's like, there was no question. I mean, I had, I've been a sex addict and I'm not proud. Yeah. I'm not. 
But yeah. there is a buildup to what I'm saying because I really and truly felt when I was between 17 and 27 that it was normal and okay for me to mm. be hitting as much as I could. Yeah. I hated it. You know what I mean? I, I, I hate it looking back at it. I hate what I've done to really good people. Mm. You know what I mean? And I, now that I have a daughter too, like that really bothers me because that is somebody else's daughter too. Yeah. I just never put two and two together. Yeah. Um, or that somebody like yourself would be targeting. Right. Yeah. Somebody like your daughter, whenever she gets to the age where she's ready to go to college that. Right. Yeah. You know, I, um, when I came down here though, I, you know, I just, I went all, you know, I started working out. I, I got bigger, you know, like more women were to- coming towards me. And I love that. I love the attention, you know, and my upbringing, you know, of being independent. Um, I was very independent and I, I, and I still am when it comes to the way that I think. Um, I'm an incredible problem solver. And I don't really care so much what people think about me. Um, and it kind of fueled an ego-ish personality oh, in yeah. myself. Yeah. And, you know, I went to school for business. Um, I'm a business owner now. And I really and truly thought that success was about money and you know, the right house and the car and the woman and, you know, all of those things is what I really truly believed was happiness. Mm. And I always hated the drama of relationships. You know, I always hated, you know, having to deal with anything heavy. It just was so incredibly uncomfortable. And that is because I a lot of those skills I never I never really learned as you a kid. You never stayed with one girl long enough to be able to develop Well, I never maybe. had any parents who really told me the difference either. Yeah. My mom and dad encouraged me to cheat on girls. My mom told me, specifically, said, cheat on a girl and make her like you more. <laughs> oh, my god! It's crazy, right? It's crazy. Wow. My, my sex talk was a box of condoms with a note that said, if you need more, just ask mom and dad. Oh, like, my word. Yeah. So, I mean, I had, wow. I thought a relationship was this heavy porn that I was watching. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, and I treated relationships the kind of the way that my dad treated relationships. And that was be very surface when it comes to conversations yeah. and to, um, and to really and truly just pretend like bad situations never happened. Yeah. And that's usually what I did. Mm. Um, and it, when it came to girlfriends, I, for some reason, had no problem cheating on the person. But I definitely had a problem breaking up with that person. And so I would string them along for years, basically using them as much as I could. Oh. Um, mm. So, you know, I, I talk about my wife now. Um, my wife and I, we've been together, um, 16 years. And when I met her, I was probably at the heaviest of my twenties acting out level. Yeah. And I sure did put on a show for her when, um, I first met her and really, truly pretended to be, 
somebody that I wasn't. And I, and I did this with a lot of girls anyway, you know, they felt very confident that I was a certain person, even though behind their backs, I was totally just whatever the hell I wanted to. Right. You know, and I, I, I think the addiction itself has brought me so much shame with my wife because I'm looking back at the person I was and the person that I am now and who I want to be. It is just so disgusting, you know, and I, and I, and I feel so much shame. It's not guilt. Mm. I feel shame when it comes to my wife. I have no problem whatsoever talking about sex addiction with anybody yeah, except for my wife mm. still because I can feel still and she's an amazing person but I, I can feel the pain with her yeah you know and especially at the beginning of our relationship like we met in a nightclub we met when I was like really drunk and she was really drunk and you know I really liked her and I you know I called her but you know I really just wanted it I really did and I didn't have a girlfriend at the time I had burned that one to the ground and I burned that one uh, with my ex-girlfriend before. So, you know, I was like cheating on with ex-girlfriends with ex-girlfriends and getting caught and being humiliated um, and never learning my lesson. And in fact, when one time my ex-girlfriend, she had gone away for the weekend and the very first thing, it was like this uncontrollable urge was to call up my, my other ex-girlfriend. And, and say, hey, uh, are you busy tonight? You know, let's go out to eat or something. And, and basically pretend like my new girlfriend doesn't exist. Right. And that worked. You know, and, and as soon as I got what I want, I could not wait to get out of that apartment and call up my new girlfriend and be like, hey, what's happening? You doing all right? Okay, I just want to make sure you weren't looking for me or anything. Click. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like always just going back to my phone to make sure I didn't get a missed call, but I always trying to get away with something, you know? Um, And once again, you know, the same situation was that I thought it was normal. You know, my friends were doing the same thing. Yeah. And I just didn't even realize that this, this was bad. You know, I thought that maybe when you get married is when things would stop and um, then the game is over. Um, But my wife and I, you know, we dated, for a couple of years before we got engaged and um there were a couple times that i um had gone out with my friends and you know at this time girls were still coming on to me and it was really easy for me um and i cheated on my wife a couple times when, she, when we were dating um when um i was still very he- heavy into porn at this at this time um just really sexualized like all the time and um, my um, my wife started to work with me. We had just opened um, our restaurant, and so we she just started to work with me. We moved in together, um, you know. And I was doing when she was at work. I would be doing things behind her back, um, all the way up through the time that we got married. And then once we got married. Um, I thought and felt a little bit different. I, I did feel like I wanted to stop. I, I still was looking at porn a lot, and, and, and my wife knew that, 
and she did care. She cared a lot about that. And, mm. um, but I felt like it kind of calmed itself down a lot. And I think a lot of it was that the newness of the marriage, the excitement of buying a house, you know, like all that, all that excitement kind of put things to the side a little bit. Sure. Um, and I think a lot of it, too, was there was a lack of activity at the time, too, when it came to other other women coming into my life. Like, I, I don't know. It was just a, a strange time. Yeah. Um, but then I um, but then I hired this girl who worked for me and. Um, and that was bad news um, because she was totally like my type real i like really really skinny girls mm. and my wife she's not fat but she's thicker mm. and um you know she came on to me and and we had probably about a year affair i mean just all the time you know just yeah. go to her apartment or whatever and that was like the first time i cheated on her when um when we got married yeah. and um she worked for me and so people started to notice at work that something was going on and I, you know, my wife was working there with us too, you know, cause I was, I was getting to the point where I was getting so confident with myself about getting away with, with what I've been getting away with, with, um, without very much notice that I was taking, I was taking, I was doing things that were starting to get noticed. Yeah. And I'm not 100% sure what I did that made an other employee nervous. I don't know if I tapped her butt or, or something. I did something that somebody else, and, and they told my wife. And um, so I was like, no, that, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. And so I ended up firing that girl just to get her out of, out of my hair, <laughs> you know, which is fucked up. Yeah. You know, and pretty much illegal, too. But, um, you know, I, I, I lied myself out of that one um, and because— I had given her such confidence that I was a certain person, that I was a trustworthy person, that I only had eyes for her. I, I, I said exactly what she wanted me to say, yeah. you know, and I was very good at that with lots of women. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I was like, man, whew, I dodged a bullet with that. I won't, I won't ever do that again. Right. So sure enough, another another she she worked for uh like a, a software company or something that we bought some equipment from and she was totally my type my age everything and and man i just had like a, a mini affair with her yeah and this wasn't soon after what had happened you know but it i would always like so when that happened our, our relationship was kind of a little bit messed up at this time because my wife was, um, she had became addicted to pain pills. Mm. All right. And so she went to rehab. I had no idea it was even happening. All I knew was that we somehow kept running out of money and she kept running out of money. And, um, I had no idea why. And we got in a lot of fights and it happened really fast. It happened within like three month period. Yeah where things started going downhill with her. Um, and she felt so much guilt because her dad had died of opiates like 10 years before. So she never thought this would ever happen to her. Right. But, 
you know, she got addicted to uh, Adderall and then to opiates and was like stealing from the restaurant. And, you know, it, it really like fueled my addiction for a little bit because I felt resentment towards her at that point. When I found out like she had done that and that she was going to rehab for a month, like it pissed me off. And I was like, I don't even want to deal with you anymore. Wow. And so that really fueled my wanting to go act out with other people. Yeah. And that's where that girl, the software girl, like came into play. Because I was like, man, I'll, I want to leave my wife for you. Like, and I almost did come up to that point. Mm. Um, but my wife is, you know, she's, she's special. And she's so different than any other girl I have ever dated when it comes to the the depth of her. Yeah. You know, she, she sees the world in a different way than I do and, and any other person I've ever met. And so I always wanted to come back to her and, and basically just pretend like things never happen. Yeah. And at this point too, like I could basically, you know, use this against her to get my way and, you know, and, and I, and I milked it for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that girl called it off. Um, you know, we we split up or whatever, and I never mentioned that this ever happened. Um, had another girl who worked for me, same thing. Um, bad situation, except this time I got stupid and text messaged her pictures of myself. Hmm. Not a good idea. So she filed the sexual harassment suit against me, and you know, obviously my wife found out about that. Somehow I lied myself out of that one too, saying that, um, you know, that she, uh, I had sold her my phone, which I did, and that those pictures were already in there. You know, she believed it all. I came up with this amazing, amazing story that totally fit. <laughs> and I was able to get away with that. And at this point, still, I did not think I had a problem. I, I still did not even remotely view i just kept thinking okay i need to be better about myself not getting caught mm. um and so um i had another affair same thing and what i what what i kept when i when i came to that realization i was like man i uh well i had two two different things happen first of all it wasn't happening I didn't seem like I was getting flirted with as much as I used to. So it seemed to be a little bit more difficult. Like I was putting a lot more work into getting these women. Yeah. And that was kind of bumming me out a little bit. And then I was also thinking, I'm like, man, I, I really, I, I, you know, I enjoy having sex with other women. So now, you know, I guess I'll just go to prostitutes. Like this was where it kind of clicked to prostitutes because having an affair was just too much work and it was too risky. And, and these other women, uh, and I'm sure I'm not even remembering some some of them. Like that's how many there were, and um, you know, some of these women didn't know I was married. They never knew I was married. I was always making up lies, um, and so they wanted a relationship, and I obviously couldn't do that. And so all I wanted was sex. Like I didn't want anything to do with them. I could give a fuck who they were. You know what I mean? Like that's just how shallow of a person I was. Mm. I was there for the gold. And when I was out, like when I, when I went to see somebody, I always made sure like my phone was off. Um, 
you know, I made sure that I erased like any messages between us. I was, and then I was out of there as quickly as I could. And I instantly went to my phone to make sure that nobody called me or I wasn't missing or like, why is, you know, I called you five times, you know, where were you? And I could be, Oh, I don't my phone broke or something, you know, like just make up some, but it did, it started giving me a lot of anxiety about Mm. acting out. And, um, so that's this still my wife, I'm sure she was seeing the red flags, but she didn't want to believe it. I started communicating on, um, I, I just got so, so brave, I would say with, um, acting out that I would, it became so much part of my daily routine that I didn't really even hide it anymore. Like I had like another email address that you could just easily just go into my mail on the phone and see that I had two email addresses and the other one was all like back and forth to people. Like I just never even, I was doing it so much that it was aggravating to me to have to delete it, reinstall it to check my messages, then delete it so that I wouldn't get caught and then reinstall the program and then delete it. You know what I mean? Like, that I was making a lot of mistakes yeah. about hiding what I was doing away from my wife. Yeah. You know, I didn't think I had, I didn't even know what an addiction was when it comes to this being a problem. I think when I was like 36, I'd say, so my daughter was born in, in 2014. And that really, excelled my my addiction um when my wife started giving my daughter so much attention and then we didn't have any time for each other and she was always so tired i was i was bored you know Mm -hmm. what i mean i was bored at home at that point i was bored at work i was bored at home and my addiction filled that that gap and that's when i really think it just went crazy yeah i mean as if it weren't already crazy enough. <laughs> right. Because I, you know, I no longer wanted an affair. I wanted prostitutes. And by this time, like, the only thing that really entertained me all day long was looking up prostitutes. Like, I was excited for the search. I loved the search. I loved the interaction. It wasn't like we were having, like, intimate experiences. Um, conversations with each other but it was more just like like sex talk and I and you know all day long I would think and anticipate that text back from that person I don't even know who this birth these people were right you know and a lot of them were catfishing me like crazy sure and I I just know that when when my daughter was young like my addiction went nuts and so my wife um she she just had this feeling. She, like I said, she's a, she's, she has like a sixth sense almost. And I think sometimes she doesn't listen to it. But she, for some reason, one day she grabbed my phone and um, we got in a big fight. That's what it was. We got in a big fight and I was, I was like, fuck you, I'm going to bed. And so she was all distraught and she's like, I just think something's going on. And so she went, looked through my phone and she found like all of these messages. And she storms in the room. She's like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, it's nothing. It's nothing. And she's like, I want you out of here. And then I was like, 
maybe maybe I have a problem. Uh, maybe I have a problem like you have a problem with addiction. I I don't know. I was just making up stuff at this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But it, it calmed mm. her down enough to like I used that card against her, the oh, one that geez. was the addict card, right? To give me another chance. And so we. That was like my first taste of punishment with my wife when it comes to addiction, when yeah. it comes to me acting out. And so we went to therapy and I was able to spin therapy into it's her fault. The reason why I'm reaching out to other women. She didn't realize she thought it was just like one person randomly. She didn't realize it was like hundreds of people. Yeah. And so I was able to spin it like, you don't spend time with me. You know, it's all about the baby, all that shit. But I did do some individual therapy at the time. And at one point I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I should say something. Maybe I should tell her about how many other women I've been with. Um, but I was scared. I was like, man, what if this gets back to me and my wife finds out and, you know, she leaves me like that would devastate me. I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. And so I was like, no, nah, I think we'll just play this course and this will all just kind of fade away. And sure enough, it did. I mean, you know, we went through therapy and I, I realized my mistakes about the emails and promised myself I'd never do it again. Um, uh, and, there goes the cycle. Yeah. And that's when I, I felt like the cycle started for me. That's when I kind of realized like something, something's not right. Yeah. And I saw how much it hurt my wife. My wife came from a, bro a broken home. Her dad, like I said, died of, of opiate addict, addiction after mm. coming home from Vietnam. And she witnessed her dad beat the hell out of her mom like multiple times. And mm. so... Yeah. relationships everything to my wife she's you know she yeah. holds on to that and when i when i broke her trust that one time and i broke her life i was like i can never do that i, I won't do that again right but it wasn't wasn't much um longer before man <laughs> so it's fucked up um yeah. I just totally remember this that um i so I got caught, and no joke, I had a, I had met this girl. I had gone home to see my parents, and I had gone out by myself one night looking for girls. Like, I was at my parents' house. I felt like, hey, I'm all by myself. I'm going to go out. And I did. I found this, this girl that uh, totally my type. We had been texting back and forth, and we were going to meet up the weekend that I got caught. And it was just me supposed to going home to see my mom. But I really wasn't going home to see my mom. Right. Um, and I, I lied myself out of that to go on that trip with that girl. I had just gotten caught by my wife. Told my mom. Told my wife. Well, my mom. You know, she's not doing well. You know, I still should go. And she's like, "All right, we'll go." And well, you know, I basically had planned this whole trip with this other girl, and I right. went and I lied the whole time. You know, never talked to that girl again after basically using her. Um, came home, went through therapy, and just got through that. Um, but I really couldn't, at that point in my life, looking back, I couldn't really think of any way, other way of, of doing things. You know what I mean? Right. And I, um, 
I'm so sorry I'm boring you, Zach. I'm no, just I'm just... <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm yawning, everyone. Kevin's looking at me. He's, like, rolling his eyes. I'm sorry, buddy. Zach is a terrible, terrible host right now. Terrible <laughs> host. I'm just joking. I don't know why either. I think it's the lights in are here or something. Yeah. I, um... Forgive me. <laughs> so... I, I I continued to act out when I got home, but this time it was uh, I really started heavily getting into prostitutes because I could mm-hmm. I could go and I could pay for it and I could be out of there within an hour. There was no strings attached, and this uh, this sent the spiral of addiction like crazy. It got really intense, really really fast because something clicked that I didn't have to put in all this other effort and I could go right to what I I could go get the drug whenever I wanted to. And, and it was so secretive, Uh, you know, everything's online and I could use like free text messaging apps and stuff like that. And in the back and forth. Um, but I started making a lot of mistakes. You know, I, I became so antsy to, to go act out that I wasn't safe anymore. I wasn't, I wasn't vetting these people and I didn't know who some of them were. Um, so I'd show up and it'd be like a completely different person than I thought it was going to be. Like, it'd be like, I thought it was going to be a hot girl. It's like a 50 year old lady, you know what I mean? Who's like, just like messed up. And I was like, yeah, I'll get in and out, you know? And then when I leave, I'm like, I feel so guilty and I won't do that again. There goes the start of, I won't do this again. I swear it off. But the very next day, it's like it never happened. And I was right back to the excitement of looking for another person. Yeah. And I end up finding like a couple of people that I would go to regularly. And, And keep in mind, too, this is not, this became an expensive habit, you know. And I bet. Um, I, I started seeing girls that, on a regular basis and there was one that was totally my type did whatever i wanted awesome personality you know and this is what fucked up about addiction is that even when you have everything that you think you want that person still isn't enough you know and she would she would do anything that my fantasies would make want me to do for a price yeah right and she was great looking and and filled my needs until she didn't fill my needs anymore. And, you know, and I remember one time that, uh, I basically got catfished or scammed. I had sent money and they were supposed to send me like an address and they didn't. And I came home that day, you know, and in the back of my mind, I was thinking, oh man, that's probably a cop that I sent money to. You know, I I feel like I'm, they were probably going to come to my house and arrest me or, or, you know, I started getting really paranoid. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, like, I'm doing this so often now. Like, it's just a matter of time before I'm going to get arrested for this. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, you know, I was like, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to do it. And I started feeling, like, really bad about myself. Like, I was starting to say, like, Hail Marys and just being like, I can't stop. You know, I was starting to freak. I was starting to freak myself out because I, I really became to a point within a year of thinking okay this is kind of this is a fun life i'm enjoying this too i'm really starting to freak out yeah i i can't stop i'm i'm really putting on risks 
that I could be spreading diseases to my wife. Mm. I, was, I was being unsafe. I was going to places that I shouldn't be. Um, and then um, May 2nd, 2019, I, um, all morning long, I was looking for, for, this was probably two days after that I had gotten catfished and thought it, I was going to, I was in a scam. Two days later. And I was all day looking, even when I was driving, I'd be scrolling through people. Like I'd, I'd be on skipthegames.com and just be scrolling through people. And I'd, you know, I'm like constantly refreshing the page, see if there's anybody new. Like, even though that girl that I always hooked up with was still there, mm. she wasn't enough for me anymore. You know, and I scroll through and eventually uh, I saw this new girl pop up. I'm like, well, she's pretty hot. And I contacted her. And they're like, yeah, I'm over at the NBC Suites. You know, come see me. And I, you know, I pull up and uh, knock on the door. And you know, it's a little weird. I had a I had a weird vibe hmm. when when I first came in, and like the scene was a little bit off. There was like condoms on the dresser and like lingerie, and it just didn't. It seemed a little off. And so the lady wasn't what the picture was, but I mean that wasn't not not typical. She was still okay for me. Yeah. She'd do the job. Yeah, she's sitting there and she's like, "What do you want?" You know, I was like, "I, uh, I just, uh, I just, you know, want to talk." And she's like, "All you want to do is talk." I'm like, "Well, you know, I want to, I want to fuck too." And as soon as I and she's like, "Well, how much, how much time do you want?" I was like, "Just a quick visit." And she's like, "That's, that's 120." So I took 120 dollars out of my pocket, and all of a sudden, like four or five giant police officers run through the door. Wow. And I still, you know, so the, the memory of that and the feeling was like you just realized like your whole family died in a car accident type feeling. Like your wow. whole, my heart just fucking dropped. And they're like, don't move, don't do anything, just put your hands behind your back. And I instantly was like, I just lost my whole life. Yeah. My life just, and I'm, I'm the most blessed person. Mm. I I have an amazing life. I really do. Even up to that point, I have an amazing life. I have a great business, great family. You know, I've been successful. I have a fucking DeLorean. You know what I mean? Like, I <laughs> yeah. mean, I, I have everything. I, I, I got greedy. Yeah. And the addiction, trying to be this person and have it all, um, brought me to this point that, I kind of predicted in myself. Yeah. And I just remember being taken into another room uh, where they were gearing up for the next person. And, um, you know, they, they took my phone and they turned my phone off. Um, you know, they took all my money. They, they got my name. And I'm just like, at this point, I'm just shocked, almost, almost to the point of tears. And, and I asked the lady, I said, do you ever feel, I, I said, I feel like there's a demon inside me. And I felt that way. Mm. Like I felt like there were two people inside of me. And she's like, I don't know what you mean, but, you know, um, you know, I'm sure you'll get some help after this or something like that. And, and one after another, guys were coming into that room with me, like just shocked. And we all um, had the same treatment. We all went downtown. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, if, uh, if it's two hours from now, I can lie myself out of this one. You know, even a couple hours after that, maybe I could lie myself out of that one. But uh, they kept us in there for eight hours before they even processed us. So we were we're sitting in this cell, and it, you know it's nuts in there. 
it's crazy people, but a lot of us were sex addicts and uh, not sex addicts, but got arrested for prostitution. And I seemed like the only one that was devastated. I don't know how all these other guys were goofing around and stuff, but I was in my mind. I was thinking, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to lie my way out of this? And I, and I, and the first thing I thought of was, okay, I'm going to say that I was at a uh, massage parlor and that uh, I asked for a hand job and I got arrested for that because that is a lot better than getting arrested at a hotel for prostitution sex. Yeah. Right. That's the shit that's going on in my mind. And so I didn't get out of there till 11 o'clock at night. So I know this was one in the afternoon when I got arrested. I didn't get out till one, 11 o'clock at night. And so I knew at this point, like, there's no doubt that my wife knows what's going on. And she, um, you know, so I, I turn on my phone and that, that was the worst feeling ever turning on my phone. Um, and so I turned my phone back on and I got all these messages up until about four thirty in the afternoon. Like, where are you? Are you okay? And then there was nothing, nothing at all. And the whole time, you know, I have never felt such, such a low in my life and such a, a destroyed feeling it, it it hits so hard. It hit me. I really and truly felt suicidal that night, yeah. you know. And I and I came home, and the the house was empty, and my wife uh, had the wedding ring um, on the counter, and that was it. Like I thought, like shit would be destroyed. Not none of that. Um, her cousin who worked for me found out and told my wife and told my wife what happened told me that she got I got arrested for prostitution and I just remember coming home and seeing that and and screaming at the top of my lungs why God Mm. why why Mm. did you do this to me why yeah I screaming crying I mean I was screaming Mm. and my dog lady you know she came over and I just like hugged her to death and I um I was lost, dude. I um, yeah. I, I kept saying to myself, "It's, it's got to be a dream. This has got to be a dream. Wake up, wake up!" Like I still remember standing there, just screaming. Mm. And um, somehow I was able to go to sleep that night, you know. And it was the most uncomfortable feeling ever, like realizing that I was all alone, you know. And I just kept hugging my dog, and and woke up I could barely fucking sleep and I woke up at like six and um I went to work and I was I was just destroyed and um my wife's cousin who worked for us came in that day and she's like what the fuck did you do and um I gave her the story of that I was in a massage parlor and and she's like you motherfucker or something like that. And she's like, I'm, you know, I'm quitting. Like, I can't, I I can't stand you anymore. So I just lost like a really good employee of mine. And then my, um, so I'm, I'm literally crying and, and, um, I'm fucking just destroyed that day. And, um, so my wife calls me at like 10 and, She's like, the first thing out of her mouth was, a fucking prostitute? You fucked a prostitute? 
She's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, you motherfucker? And then she was like, and I, I, I bet all these other things are true too, wasn't it? And she's just mouth starts mouthing off and, you know, just going nuts on me. And um, I think my wife, I don't think she was angry at the, she was angry, but she wasn't like, she was kind of reserved. She, I don't think the shock really hit her until probably six months later, to be honest with you. Like right. she was in shock, but she wasn't in shock. And, um, so I, I went home early that day and, you know, she was barely talking to me at this point. She didn't want to hear anything I had to say. And, um, I was like, I, I, I was like, I'll, I'll find a therapist, you know, I'll, um, I'll look into what I can do. I'm so sorry. You know, I, I think I have a problem. And, um, obviously I didn't know anything, but I, I made an appointment. I went on the phone and I made an appointment with a therapist and, um, I, I sent her that and she's like, well, that's a start or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, if I can just do enough to get her back, you know, mm-hmm. I promise I won't do this again. Like my whole goal was to, to get her back, you know, and to get her to forgive and forget. And a lot of that wasn't the fact that I didn't want to go the hard route. I just didn't even know that was an option. Yeah. I had no idea I, I was an addict. So I went home that night, and um, as an addict, you're kind of closed off anyway. And I didn't have any real friends, like mm-hmm. guy friends. It's you know, and my parents, I didn't really talk to them. Um, I didn't know who to call. I had no fucking clue who to talk, who to call. Um, and so I was all alone, and I started looking up like sex addiction, mm-hmm. and um, came across that phone number with. Uh, with SAA and they also had a meeting up in Hendersonville for the mm. next day. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go to that meeting the next day. Um, so I show up the next day and this one guy um, gives a story and that story was so identical to mine. It was unfucking believable. Wow. It, it matched it almost perfectly. <sighs> And I was in shock and uh, I was just in tears. I was like, I've lost everything. I don't know what to do. I said, but I was, I was so happy that there was somebody else like me. Like that was, that was the part that, that was shocking the most is because I hadn't, I had been so scared to look up information about what was going on. Like I knew something was going out of control, but I was terrified that if I looked up something that my wife would find out and be like, why are you looking up sex addiction uh, on Google search? Like I had no idea what she knew and what she didn't know. Right. Or, you know, she says it now. She's like, I really wish that you had gotten help before you got arrested. And I I said, "I, I don't think that would have been possible. You know, I don't think that that I I felt so much shame towards her at that point about the way I was breaking her heart over and over again that I don't think that I could deliberately put myself into recovery. Right. So you know, I we started in recovery, and you know, and um, went you know, with your group and you introduced me and people were so, you know, I was just kind of very shocked and how loving everybody was towards me. Yeah. And that was very much, um, unexpected. 
And, you know, at this time, I really thought that my only options was suicide at this time. Like, I really felt like my life was over. I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose my business. Because another thing with my business is that because I'm a business owner in town, they put me all over the news. I was on the news for days. They were calling my wife. They were calling me. You know, they were just harassing us. Um, and so I lost a decent amount of, of customers because of this, too. I had friends who, you know, no longer friends with me. Yeah. I, was, I was ashamed. I was, uh, I was destroyed. And, you know, the group, I, I started in therapy. I started seeing a CSAT. Um, and a CSAT is a certified sex addiction therapist. They great. specialize in treating sex addicts and there's something i realized when i started addiction recovery was that i um i realized there's two paths that i that i never was able to see before Mm. and i I noticed that the path was all i can i can stay on that path that i was on and that's the easy path Mm. but i know i'd lose my wife my family and my business yeah. But I, a lot of it was I really enjoyed acting out. I loved going to strip clubs. I loved going to massage parlors. It gave me this thrill that yeah. nothing else gave me. Mm. You know, having sex gave me this unbelievable thrust. Yeah. And I didn't know how I could live without that. Yeah. Um, or I could work hard in recovery and learn and and. I chose that, you know, and once I got into recovery, when it came to therapy and it was hard for me to admit, especially at first, the things I had done wrong. Um, I didn't want to give the full story about how I got arrested to my wife. I kept I told her that it was because of a massage parlor. Mm. But as time uh, went on and I started to understand my addiction and what it had done and where I was with the addiction and how far it took me. Um, no longer did I blame God. God saved me. Mm. And I had never been a faithful person. I never was into faith. Never really believed in God. Everything else, having affairs, having sexual harassment case against me, none of that stuff jarred me enough to be able to stop versus being shown that I have a problem by getting arrested for prostitution. If you get arrested for prostitution, it pretty much means you got an issue. Yeah. And that was what God, God saved me at Mm. that point and showed me a different way. And a lot of people on this podcast, if you're, you know, you're still at the beginning, like there is a different way. Like I feel a different way now. Yeah. You know, my life, I chose hard work and it's not been easy. You know, I had about six to eight months of the shock of getting arrested to help me through recovery. I had wanted nothing to do with acting out for six to eight months because that image of getting arrested in my, my head and the damage I had caused was my, my neutering at the time. Yeah. But, um, you know, and I never thought my wife would ever, you know, talk to me again. And she, she, um, 
one day I was in therapy or at a, at a, at a, um, a meeting and she, she texted me. She's like, I'm proud of you. And, oh my. and I was wow. like, I was like, wow. I like that something that I would never think. Yeah. You know, you, you, this is, this addiction is so painful because it's to the, it's to the core of what marriage is. And that's between a man and a woman forever. Yeah. And for her to know the, the, how I did not care about that whatsoever. And it's true. I did not care about it, nor did I want the willpower to fix it. And it, and how she was having enough grace to tell me that she was proud of me, you know, like that showed me right there. And then that recovery is real and that there is a better life. You know, when she started to tell me that, like, I still was in recovery, I think, to repair things with her. Mm. And I, she wasn't really working on a lot of her own issues. And she was still in a state of shock of what happened. So my wife didn't really start um, recovery, I would say, until like eight months. She did. She was in it, but she couldn't really function. Yeah. Um, so about into eight months is where she, a lot of anger came out at me, a lot of anger. And, you know, eight months after getting arrested, I was in a different point when it comes to recovery. I, I was, I was feeling good. I was thinking better. My triggering of, of where I was being normally triggered at supermarkets and places just wasn't as bad. I wasn't waking up to wanting to act out. You know, I thought I was in a better place. But my wife, she was just dying inside, you know, and um, taking a lot of anger out on me. And um, I, I felt a lot of guilt towards that. I felt like she felt justified to do that. Um, but eventually I started getting a lot of resentments towards my wife um, for I was I felt like I'm working hard. I'm doing good. Like and you're just just punishing me all the time. You know what I mean? And so a lot of these thoughts of addiction started to come back into my head and that opened up a whole nother door, you know, and when resentments, anytime that an, an addiction can pop its head back through, it's going to full force through it. Yeah. And start right back, back where right. you left over. And I, and I started thinking to myself, fuck this bitch, you know, <laughs> like I, I'm not putting up with this shit anymore. Like whatever she says, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, and I'm done with this. And so I started, you know, really looking at the same shit again, going right back to the place that I was looking at porn again. I, I started, um, not porn, prostitution again. I was way past porn at this point. <laughs> porn meant nothing to me. It still means nothing to me. Like once you, once you have crossed over and you know that you can get it for real, something switches inside of you. Yeah. Um, like even having affairs like that, that is way past what I want anymore. Like I want to be in and out. Yeah. Um, but you know, so I started sneaking that shit back and, um, wasn't going to, um, therapy as much, wasn't being truthful in therapy, wasn't, you know, really communicating with the guys in group as much anymore, making a lot of excuses not to go to meetings anymore. Yeah. Um, 
So a, a catalyst to this was um, we had gotten these gift cards from like a canceled flight, and I ended up spending them on prostitutes and websites and shit, looking up prostitutes. And my wife was like, she wanted to use that money. So she found out like what I used. So she called that 1-800 number. It's like, where'd all that money go? And it was like, uh, googlex.com. So she's like, um, you know, this is about a year and a half after I got arrested. And um, she's like, just devastated again. Like, you're doing this same fucking shit again. And she was right. Yeah. You know, and I and I got caught again. You know, and um, I made a commitment. You know, I was like, man, I you know I fucked up. I'm making a commitment again, and I got back on the wagon. You know, went about a year, did, was doing great. Same thing between her and I again, just like this resentment. This you know, um, I, you know, it's just you don't give me enough time. You're this and that, you know, and, and, and being two different, we're, we're very not alike. Yeah. And that's very, that's, that's a good and bad thing. And, um, my wife, um, she gets very down and very depressed and for, goes on for weeks at a time. And, you know, I, I get tired of it. I get, uh, it's kind of like the way my dad was with my mom when, when she was six, it's like, just be better already. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the... That's the mentality of my addiction. Yeah. My addiction, that's the door it wants. It wants me to believe that's true. Mm-hmm. It wants me to believe that my life is better single. To get rid of her, she's too much aggravation. Yeah. So between last August through October, I, you know, I started acting out again. Not actually not with prostitutes, but just looking up people. Yeah. I think at this point I was a little bit too scared because I wasn't sure if there was trackers on me. Like the whole game of of hiding stuff in in the what ifs of what she knows and what she doesn't know. Like I, my whole being was about trying to alleviate the damage I've caused with her. Right. Not learning a fucking damn thing about recovery. Right. Right. And so I get caught again in October. Um. I don't know how she found out. It's, I can't remember how she found out. But anyway, she found out. And something clicked back in October. Something just just completely changed inside of me where it came to the point where I was like, I, I, had, a, I had so much anger towards her that I was like, I'm, I'm going to do this for me this time. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm going to do this for me. And, and you can give me a lie detector anytime you want. I said, and and when I said, and I had always been against lie detector tests because I was always, even during recovery, like I would hide just a little bit hmm. to not have to face the feelings, right? The intensity. Something clicked in that where I said, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like, yeah. I, you, you know, if you want to be with me, fine. I'm, you know, I'm gonna get back into recovery. I'm gonna work hard. And you can give me a lie detector test anytime you want. And ever since then, that threat of the lie detector test has been revolutionary to me. Yeah. It, it, um, every time I, f- I want or think about acting out or see somebody I'm attracted to, the thought of 
having to answer that question, that random question during a lie detector test. And I know that I had always been able to get myself problem myself problem solve myself around things. Yeah. Buying another tablet. Um if my wife is tracking my phone, leaving my phone at work and using a different car. You know, like anything. And 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 that's the thing. Like I there were no there's no apps that can block me. I could still go to massage parlors. I still have the phone numbers of, or I, I could find the phone numbers of those prostitutes. You know, like nothing was going to stop me if if I had built up so much resentment and so much anger and had it in my mind that I, I wanted this. That when I said, you know, give me a lie detector test anytime, it stopped me dead in my tracks. And it hasn't, because of that, like, the anger towards my wife hasn't, like, hasn't grown. I haven't, like, that addiction door hasn't opened back up. Um, It's been very, very strange the past three or four months because it's almost non-existent now. When it comes to wanting to act out, it's almost not there. I have shut it down Mm. so completely. Because I do want my wife. The the good part of me, Mm. and you know me, Zach. Yeah. I am a good person. And and in my whole story right now, I'm sure everybody's like, this guy is the biggest piece of shit on the planet. Yeah. But I've helped out a lot of people. I've, Mm. I've, I am a very good boss. You know, I'm a great father. I am a great husband too. I mean, I, I, I do so much for my wife and my child, not just with work, but like being present at home. I love being a family man that's the part of me that I want to be. I want to be a man of God. I do. I really, really do. And I've spent so much time talking to you just now about who I was as an addict, but that part of me is still there. You know, it's never going to go away. And there's sometimes that I can't recognize the difference between the two. Like sometimes I'm so stuck in my head Hmm. about, the harms that other people are doing towards me yeah. or I'm bored. Like those are two big triggers. I'm bored and I'm having like a groundhog's day over and over again. Right. That flood of, of acting out. It's the most entertaining of it all. It's more entertaining than doing projects or anything like that. Yeah. You know, having that resentment towards my wife um, is very triggering to me. Um, and if I don't have ultimate re- ultimate accountability, and I think that's where giving me a random lie detector test comes into play, right. I'm going. I'm never going to have that door closed, you know, or want that door closed. Yeah. You know, even if my wife says, you know, this is just too much. I, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm not going to go for the 20 year old girl. I'm not going to go down that path. I don't want to go down that path. Yeah. That's not who I ultimately want to be. Mm. You know, I, I want a family. I want to be in, I do want to be in love. I want to know what love is. Yeah. You know, I want to know how to help other people. I want, I just, I, I want to live the rest of my life being a quality, trustworthy person. Yeah. And not feel like I am predestined because I have, this really, really bad addiction, and it, it is really bad. Yeah. Sex addiction is 
the worst because it's in your mind. I can turn it on and off anytime I want. You know, it's devastating to relationships. I don't want that to be who I am. I don't want people to think of me as that person when, when I'm really and truly not. Yeah. You know, and certain things work really well for certain people. And the, for some reason it has just clicked when it comes to the lie detector test. Yeah. You know, I'm in a much better place now than I was four months ago. Yeah. You know, I make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm interacting. I'm making sure that I'm going to meetings. I'm making sure that I'm being truthful with what I'm saying and I'm not holding things back even towards my wife. My wife asks me questions now and I'm just like, yeah, I did it because in my head I'm like, what? Uh, fuck it. Right. You know, like I, if she gets mad because she's asking me the truth, I've never given her the truth before. I've always sugarcoated it. Yeah. And, you know, she'll ask me, did that really happen? Yes, it did. It might hurt her for a couple of days, but she always says, thank you for telling me. Right. You know, instead of finding out later that I, that I actually did something that yeah. didn't actually happen. Yeah. So I'm on a journey, man. Yeah. You know, I, uh, appreciate you letting me tell the story sorry if it's all over the place no uh-uh. no that was sorry that, that was i bored you with the yawning oh no uh, no 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 uh-uh. <laughs> it's just it's sitting here and you know really focused and everything and i do some things you know almost involuntarily or like oh my gosh what am i doing here but i really believe yeah. you know that maybe you know maybe god showed my wife that i was acting out again you know, I, I mean, I don't know. Like right. she just gets the sixth sense inside of her and she knows something's going on. She knows I'm acting differently, yeah. even though I don't realize I'm acting differently. But she, I'm, I'm very fortunate that my wife knows, she knows I'm a good person. Yeah. And. Well, she's sticking with you in spite of everything that's happened. She understands addiction. Yeah. Because she's been through addiction. She doesn't understand why. She doesn't understand, just like I don't understand how maybe the pill aspect, like the first thing that comes to her mind to feel better is grab a pill, like whether it be Advil or whatever. Right. You know, and still that that has broken inside her brain. Like that will never go away. Yeah. She always thinks that a pill is going to make her feel better. So she doesn't understand exactly like why I, she's so in love with me, why I would even want to look at anybody else. And I yeah. can't explain that. I, yeah. I, I cannot, I don't want it to be. Right. <laughs> but I, it just, it just happened, you know, and it, and it happened at such a young age and it happened with the internet and, and it became such a secretive thing that I was able to basically be a certain way to everybody else. And I had this backstory of a person that nobody else knew. And it was very exciting. Yeah. You know, and I used it as much as I could because it really entertained me. Yeah. You know, and a lot of, a lot of guys I talk to that, you know, fear is a big reason why they act out. You know, they're, it, it comforts them. I was the scumbag that enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, but it's not well, the life I want. It is bringing me nothing but misery constantly over and over and over again. And it's just, it's time for me to, say goodbye yeah and and be real about that and really want that and to catch myself if i feel like i want to you know and and tell somebody 
And that's not, that's the hardest part. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As to getting out of your own head right. and getting it out there, letting another person that cares know. Right. And I mean, that in itself takes you so far in like, okay, I'm not alone. Right. You know, there's other people that are like me. They, there's people that care for me and want my best, even though me and my addict state that I'm in, you know, I don't know what's best. Right. <laughs> and uh, somebody will, you know, helps you just like calm down, take you out for about like 10, 15 minutes, just talking on the phone and everything, getting you out of that, oh. you know, planning stage of the, of the uh, addiction cycle to the point where it's just like, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good now. I've, I've passed that, that, uh, frenzied stage of, 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 of the cycle. I I think the hardest part that I've come across when it comes to recovery within myself Mm. is the, um, that I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm just so, I'm very, very good at solving problems and, 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 and fix, like I can fix anything you know, I can build anything. I, um, when it comes to management, I'm, I'm, I'm very good at, there's so many different avenues that I don't need help with in my life. Right. You know what I mean? That other people always seem to scream about that they don't know how to figure out. And so it's always difficult for me to, to remember that I cannot fix, I cannot fix this. Yeah. I have tried so hard to say, I won't do this again. This time is going to be different, you know, and it never, I can never get myself to stop. And so to reach out for help with somebody, whether it be a therapist or other people in the group, that was a very difficult thing for me to do, Yeah, you know, and, and over time too, you know, you start getting sobriety, people in the group start thinking that you've got it under control and you don't want to let them down, right. even though deep inside you're hurting, you're hurting bad and you need somebody, Yeah, you know, and that's the thing with, with addiction is that we're and recovery is that we're all addicts. And so we're all, all over the place. And maybe my sponsor isn't doing great or you, you come to a point where, um, you, you don't, you don't want to fail. And so it becomes a secretive thing again. And you go back into that rabbit hole again, and you you have just gone so. It's not like you just started addiction all over again, and 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 shit is rapidly still turning. Yeah, and you're making mistakes really quick, and <laughs> having to clean those mistakes up, and it's just it's a nightmare. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah. Well, um, I think we'll stop. Stuff. At least with the with the episode right there, um, I, honestly, I don't think there's anything left to be said. I I, I do appreciate your your story. Um, I know it's tough with uh, no real <coughs> seems like no real resolution to anything. But I mean, this is it's the nature of being in addiction recovery is that. It's a constant, ongoing thing. There's ups and downs, and high time. points and low points, but you you keep on coming back. Right. You That's keep what I on. Told you. Yeah, you keep on showing up to the meeting. You keep yeah. on reaching out, and and it doesn't have to be perfect. It's about learning and understanding 
your mistakes and and be willing to want to change those mistakes to right. to do the opposite outcome the next time. Yeah. And it is interesting to see people coming into the group who are new and to explain to them that, you know, doing 12 steps, which I love, um, but I also love therapy as well. Yeah. And 12 step helps me organize my life on a daily basis. Therapy helps me resolve things that are in my life. Sure. And, but it's not, once you get through 12 steps, it's not like your addiction's ever over. There are so much ups and downs with it. And I, that is something that I guess I, none of us really understood when I first started the group. Yeah. And I think we all had to figure it out because we all kind of started around the same time within a couple of years of each other. And so we've, it's, it's part of the evolution of life and just realizing that, um, life is a journey. It's not about reaching certain destinations. It's learning how to, (laughs) it's learning how to change the tire where the, while while the car is still moving, you know? And so I, I think it's honestly, it's appropriate to just end the conversation kind of hanging, but I mean, it's, it's a journey and we just keep on working and, you know, when we get, when we fall down on our face to have the courage to stand back up again, dust ourselves off and keep on going. What choice do I have? Right. Exactly. I mean, I, I know what the other outcome is and and that's, if I fuck up, then I need to, then I need to learn where I'm where I did, mm. and be and and be okay with with knowing that's in the past, and I can only move forward. Right. You know? Yep. Well, um, thank you so much, Kevin. Appreciate you telling your story, and uh, thank you, listener, for um, staying with us through this episode. Uh, really appreciate you uh, coming back and listening yet again. Um, have a great day. been listening to the rocket recovery podcast thank you so much for joining us you can catch us on our socials we're on instagram youtube and facebook you can listen to us on spotify anchor fm or wherever you get your podcasts also please remember to rate us five stars on apple podcasts that really help us out our website is rocketrecovery.org If you have any suggestions for an episode topic, please email us at admin at rocketrecovery.org. Thank you again for supporting us. Please make sure to subscribe, like, and share us with all your friends and all those that would benefit from our work. Help us get the word out of happiness, joy, and freedom from your addictions. And remember, you are not alone.